Good morning. Welcome to Village Bible Church. I'm Pastor Ron and look forward to starting the new year with you. How many of you stayed up till midnight? So basically two thirds of the people are going to be fighting falling asleep today. So I should have brought something to throw or, or something. Um, uh, I know it's tradition to welcome in the new year. And um, one of my kids that will remain nameless was like, okay, really, what, what difference does this holiday make? Yesterday is the same as today. And they, they have a good point, right? I mean, today is just like yesterday. I mean, Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Easter, we're celebrating his resurrection. New Year's, we're celebrating turning a page on the calendar and going from 2022 to 2023. But I tried to explain that there are often things that we do with New Year's that we don't do any other time of the year. It's a chance that we have to reflect and think about what God has done in 2022. Um, Reflect on the good, reflect on the challenges, and that God has brought us through many challenges in 2022. But it's also a chance then to look ahead to 2023. A chance to look ahead of what, what God might want to do this year. What is he doing? And things that we hope for and things that we plan. And that's why we have resolutions, right? We resolve to, to lose weight and go to the gym every day. And so we rename our refrigerator gym. And, um, and then we're good. Or we resolve to make a million dollars. And, and this is just unrealistic. And maybe for some of you it is, and that's fantastic, but... Um, we resolve these things, but it's because in our, in our, our spirit, in our psyche, we are trying to look ahead and organize and make plans in a way that sort of controls our destiny and, and sort of controls what's going to happen. And for those that have, have lived enough years, you know that we don't control a whole lot. We don't control a lot of our destiny but we know the one who does. And that's what we come at New Year's, trusting in our God, trusting in our God for the future. Each New Year is also a chance that we have as a church to look ahead. And we call it Vision Sunday, a chance to remind ourselves what our vision is at a church and look ahead of what God might be doing at Village. And so today we want to set aside that day and consider that a little bit. And we'll get through, we'll see if how much my voice gets through today. Um, you know, why though do we review? Why do we review our, our core values and where we're going as a church? Why do we think about, about what God is wanting to do at Village? And there's a whole lot of other, or a whole lot of good reasons for that. One of the reasons we even have a vision statement and have core values is to protect us from drift. Otherwise, we could just go to every whim of culture and address every little thing and we could be a church that does this one year and this another year, but We believe that the Bible has outlined certain things that every church must do. And so remembering our core values is a way to stay on track, to remind ourselves of those, to refresh those. Um, Vision Sunday also gives us a chance to, to remind ourselves of the direction that God is taking us. You know, this year and this morning, we're going to talk a lot about prayer. And one of the things that is on my heart, sort of to give away some of the, the message to come, one of the things that is on my heart and the pastor's hearts and the elder's heart is to really reflect on how, how diligently have we infused prayer into everything we do at Village. And so we want to make a, a commitment to that, to, uh, to thinking through the power of prayer in everything we do. And so we're going we're gonna to think about that 
Today we're going to introduce that. We have the 24 hours of prayer this Friday and Saturday that I challenge you to be part of. Even if it's only for an hour or two, come and be part of that. You know, revisiting our vision and where we're going also allows us to all be going the same direction. You know, there's 150 of us here today. And what if 150 of us are all going in different directions as a church and pulling the church in different directions? And there are 150 different ministries we could have, 150 different focuses we can have, but we won't be effective in any of them if we do. And so we want to pray and look to Christ for what he wants us to be doing this year. And so all of those things are why we have a vision um, Sunday. The other reason is we're forgetful people. I mean, so, so we do this once a year and we, we want to be remembering our core values. Now, sometimes I forget where I've put my keys an hour ago, let alone a year ago. As I was looking back through some of the things from a year ago, I'm like, I don't remember doing that, but we did. And so th- it is good to remind ourselves and, and to remind ourselves of what God is doing at Village. You know, last year we, we were, we took our theme from Acts, Rediscovering Church, and we said we're going to focus on some of the essentials, some of the, the essentials of what God wants us to do, studying God's word, reading God's word, discipleship and outreach, and really getting down to what the core is the church should focus on. And so we, we talked a lot about discipleship and we worked on, on adding discipleship groups and we added a bunch of discipleship groups last year. And it was a great opportunity to see God work. You know, so this year, I mentioned we're going to be focusing on prayer. And one of the things as we focus on prayer, that doesn't mean we're going to lose our core values. In fact, we have our core values on the wall here. And these are the essentials of the church. We believe God's church should be about outreach, should be about community, should be about spiritual growth, should be about ministry. But what I want to explore this morning is, Okay, those are core, core to who we are at Village. How does prayer empower every one of those? How does prayer enable every one of those? You know, we have said that we as a church want to be a family of disciples making disciples. We're a Christ-focused family discipling our community for him. And we do that through these four things. But what I would present today is we can't do these four core values if prayer isn't part of it. We can try, we can spin our wills, we can spin our effort, but if we are doing these four core values and making disciples through these four things, if we are doing that without prayer as a basis, then we are, we are simply wasting our time. And I, I know that's hard to say, you know, how can an outreach event be wasting time? If it's not done in the power of Christ and if it's done in the power of ourselves, we're wasting time. And so... Prayer is what really empowers all of these things. You know, you can have the most incredible car. And if you forget to put gas in it, it does nothing. You can even have have a Tesla. And if you're in California and can't charge it, it does nothing. You know, I, I can remember when we first got married, I had an issue. I probably had lots of issues that God was refining and purifying but one of my issues is when the gaslight came on in the car, I took that as a personal challenge. And my personal challenge was I was going to get 75 miles after that light turned on. And many times I could. And, and I choose my words intentionally. Many times I could. 
but not every time. And probably in the first year of marriage, I ran out of gas probably six or seven times. Enough to where by the end, Susie said, I'm not picking you up next time. She was joking. She was making a point because she, she still cared for me. But I was learning that without the right fuel, my car did nothing, right? And I was learning not to wait till the last minute, that sometimes there weren't gas stations, sometimes there were situations you couldn't control, and all these other things that as a young man, I was learning. But what I want us to think about is that prayer is the fuel and power for God's work. Prayer is the fuel and power for God's work. Consistently, prayer is the power behind every work of God through his people. Every work. And so no effective work of God through his people has ever been done without prayer, I would argue. And we can go to story after story of the great revivals and great movements in the church. And always prayer was at the basis for that. In fact, Queen Mary of Scotland, some thought she was out of her mind, but she wasn't out of her mind. She said she feared the prayers of John Knox more than any army. Why? Because prayer is powerful and prayer makes a difference. And so if we are to be a church that is moving forward with God's work, if we are to be a church that is making a difference in God's work, we must be a church of prayer. And if we take prayer lightly, both as a church and individually, then we will not see God work the way that we could if we were praying. Now, there's a whole lot of theology that comes into prayer. And actually, later this year, I'm going to do a mini-series on prayer after we get done with Acts. We're going to explore this a little bit more and how this works. But for this morning, know that God has asked us to pray. God has said he will answer prayer. And God has said he will act on that prayer. And so we know that this is something we're instructed to do and something that will make a difference. And so before we get to our our series on prayer later this year, I just want to give you two thoughts about prayer this morning that apply as we start the year. And then we'll, we'll think through our core values and how prayer empowers those, how we can integrate prayer into those. The first thought, and, and I don't know that I'll get much argument on either of these, but I want us to remember them because I don't think we often believe them. We believe them, but we don't believe them to the point of changing our actions. The first thought is prayer is effective and powerful. Prayer is effective and powerful. And we're going to look at a lot of different verses today, but for this, turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we'll look at 16 through 18. But when I say prayer is effective and powerful, it makes a difference. God answers prayer. He acts on our prayers. And he does that intentionally for his glory and our good. But prayer is effective and powerful. In James chapter 5, here this is a section that, that James is talking about those that are sick and calling the elders in to pray. And in these last few verses, he broadens his thoughts a little bit to talk about prayer And he says in verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. So he's talking even about spiritual growth and spiritual health and confession. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And catch this, underline this, highlight this, whatever you feel comfortable doing in your Bible or your app. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Some of your translations say it is effective. And what that means is when we pray with the right spirit, when we pray, when we're right with God and we come to God in prayer, God hears that and is moved by that. Now, again, we'll get into the theology of that because God always knew he was going to be moved by that. So it's not like he's changing his mind. But prayer is powerful and effective. And James goes on to give a story from the Old Testament as an example of this, a general story of what happens when someone prays that is walking with God. In verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he was a man, and basically he's saying he wasn't like a a superman. He was like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, which some of you did this morning, and it stopped raining. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Isn't that cool? A righteous man prayed, and there's a whole lot more to the story that we can study in the Old Testament. He prayed, and and because of some things that were happening with the king and queen, and it did not rain for three and a half years. God held back the rain as an answer to that prayer. Then he prayed again and he goes up to the mountain and prays. He prayed again and heaven gave rain and earth bore its fruit. And so the example James uses of effective prayer is someone that could actually ask God to change the weather for three and a half years. And God did. Because it was according to his will, because it was by someone who was, was right with God and God answered it. And so we know that prayer is effective and powerful. Even in Acts, earlier in Acts, when we were studying Acts 4.31, and this was as they were coming together and, and Peter and John were told not to share the gospel anymore. And they had gotten out and they came to the church. And so the church responded with prayer. And actually throughout Acts, over and over, and I'm hoping that we have time to end today where I just read some of the situations in Acts where prayer was used. But they prayed not that they would stop sharing the gospel. They prayed for boldness to share it even more. And it said, and when they had prayed in Acts 4.31, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed and the place literally shook. And the Holy Spirit showed up as part of the answer to their prayer. Oh, village, don't ever think your prayers are wasted. Don't ever think prayer is just something we do as a discipline to somehow fix ourselves. Prayer makes a difference. Yes, it does help our own sanctification, but prayer is powerful and effective in the work of God. It is powerful and effective. God hears and he answers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, one of my favorite passages on prayer, says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. So it's like, be sure of this. Take this to the bank. You know this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so John there, as he's writing to the church, says, Be confident of this. Be sure of this. 
Don't waver in this. If you ask according to God's will, he will hear you and he will answer it. And so as believers, oh, we should be asking and praying all the time. And again, not this isn't a justification for our own little wish list. This isn't a Christmas list message. That's why it says according to his will. That's why he answers for his glory. But when we pray things that are aligned with what God wants, God will show his glory by answering that prayer. John sixteen twenty four. Jesus says, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so we know that God hears, God answers prayer. Yes, yes, with some of the conditions that we'll talk about when we dive into this deeper. But he wants his people to pray. He wants his children to pray. And that becomes the power for ministry. That becomes the power for seeing God work. In fact, I am convinced that a lack of prayer always leads to lack of results. Lack of prayer always leads to lack of results. Why? Because prayer is about lifting God's name up, about making big of God, giving Him the glory. When I pray, I am acknowledging I can't do this on my own. I am acknowledging a dependence on God, a need for God. And so then God, as our Heavenly Father, graciously come and answers that prayer I can't then come and say, look what I did. Because I've already said, I can't do this. I need your help. And so the only proper response then is say, look what God did. Look how great he is. Look how amazing he is. And his name is lifted high. He is glorified. A lost world sees that and more come to him. See, the power of prayer isn't the magic of prayer. It's not that if we pray just right and if we pray, you know, with one knee down or maybe both knees down or our head bowed a certain way that God will somehow respond more. That's not what this is about. It's not about magic incantations. It's about God hearing his children and answering his children and doing a work that glorifies himself. See, prayer is all about God, not us. And us coming under God's authority, under independence, under his power. And joining into his work and what he's doing. Philip Ryken writes this about prayer. A little bit of a long quote. I think I may have put it in your notes. Why does it all depend on prayer? Why is prayer such an effective spiritual weapon? Why does it make the difference between victory and defeat? The answer is that God is the difference between victory and defeat. It is by prayer that we depend on him to win the battle. The victory depends on prayer because ultimately the victory depends on God. That'll preach. And I didn't write it. But wow, the victory depends on prayer because ultimately the victory depends on God. And when we take prayer out of the equation, we are taking our dependence on God out of the equation. We are taking and stealing his glory. And yes, he will still enact his plans and he will still work. He just won't work through a non-praying people. You know, part of this, when we think of the battle that we're in, 
Turn over to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I know this verse wasn't listed in your notes. Bear with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, and he goes on to talk about the armor of God. And so the the point that, that Paul is making here through the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus is that our battle isn't what we see here. Our battle is supernatural in nature. And so if we're going to have success in a supernatural battle, we need to have supernatural weapons. We need to be in prayer. We need to see God at work. We cannot fight this on our own strength. In fact, so much that later in there, if you go down to verse 18, we, and, and usually we don't get to verse 18 with the, the armor of God, but this is the culminating verse that summarizes the use of the entirety of the armor of God. It's that Paul says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Do you catch all the alls in there? And so the summary of how we use the, the sword of the spirit and how we use the breastplate of righteousness, all of that is covered by prayer and supplication, always for all people in all situations. And Paul goes on to add for himself and, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so Paul here has said, our battle is, isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle is supernatural. So put on the armor of God, but all of that is empowered and covered through prayer, which shows a dependence on God who fights supernatural battles. And then Paul ends it by saying, and can you pray for me that I can share the gospel? Can you pray for me in my ministry? And so then he takes what God is doing, the work that God is doing in his life and realizes that prayer is what energizes it. Prayer is what fuels it and empowers it. And so today, and just in the, the, there's so many more verses we can go to, so many more stories. But know that prayer is effective and powerful. And the lack of prayer robs us of power and effectiveness. So we have a choice. Are we going to be a praying people or not? Are we going to empower and see our, our, our work for Christ energized? Or are we going to do it on our own effort? And I think about that, and that's why when Awana starts, we pray as a congregation for that. For living nativity, we prayed as a congregation for that. But my heart is, can we be more diligent as a congregation in prayer? And my heart is, can I be more diligent as a believer in Christ in my prayer life? I know, I know, we've talked about this in the last few weeks. I know that 2022 was a year that many would just like to scratch off the the history of the calendar. I know that across this congregation, you have dealt with loss. You have dealt with incredibly bad medical diagnoses. You've dealt with financial situations. But our battle isn't against those things. 
Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of evil. And the only way, well, the the first way we respond to those things should be on our knees in prayer because we need Christ. We need him. And if we're not diligent and fervent in prayer, the statement we're making is, I don't need God. And that is a scary statement to make. And so we come in a, after a challenging year to a year that I think God, we're going to see God do some incredible things. But I think we're going to see that because of prayer. Because of our dependence and reliance on him. And so this, the second point today, and again, there's, there's lots of places we can go with prayer, and we will later this year. But if, if prayer is powerful and effective, the second one that comes out of that is effective, fervent prayer is worth the time and effort. Effective, fervent prayer is worth the time and effort. Now, this means, may seem obvious, but we all get busy. We all have lives that press in on us and, and, and craziness that happens. I have three teenagers, and it just adds to the crazy. Not that the teenagers are crazy. Sorry, kids. The schedules are crazy. And there's things going on all over the place. And it is so easy to get pressed in on all these things that we forget about the essential of prayer. Effective, fervent prayer is worth the time and effort. couple passages, Mark 1, 35. This, this talks about Jesus' habit, which I love seeing Jesus set the example for prayer because he and his father were one. If anyone didn't need to pray, it would be... God the Son. (laughs) But as an example to us, he was diligent and fervent in prayer in ways that put us to shame, quite frankly. And so in Mark chapter 135, and rising very early in the morning, and that probably doesn't mean 10, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I'm convicted by this because I sometimes have a hard time getting up early and going to the living room to pray. But he went out to a desolate place. He found a place to pray away from the pressures of this world. And he went and prayed. Luke six twelve, which is our key verse for our 24 hours of prayer. In these days, and this was a different situation. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And he's about to choose his, his 12 disciples, the inner core. But he went out to the mountain to pray. Those of you that were in Sunday school class, when we visited, when the bus visited our bell and we took the hour hike up our bell, easiest hike you've ever taken. Jesus probably went to that mountain to pray. He was willing to go out and hike. He was willing to go out to a place where he could have undistracted focus in prayer to God. And he prayed for more than 10 minutes. And this, I think, is something that is so hard for us because we get 10, 15 minutes into prayer and it is hard, isn't it? Or is it, maybe it's just me, but it's hard for me to think of what to pray for. How do I continue in prayer? And it's because we haven't practiced listening in prayer. We haven't practiced letting the Holy Spirit guide our prayers. We haven't practiced praying through scripture and a whole lot of things. In the 24 hours of prayer, We're going to bring in a lot of those elements. 
So it's not just going to be, okay, 24 hours, good luck. But we're going to pray through Scripture, and we're going to pray through different topics. We're going to spend some time just listening to God in our prayer because prayer is a two-way communication. But Jesus was willing to take the time and the effort to pray all night in this case. Even in Acts, at the beginning of Acts, after Jesus ascends into heaven and people are like, I don't know what to do. In Acts 1.14, it said, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And you've heard me talk about the word devoting because that is, that is a word that means effort, strong effort. They were committed to prayer. And what we see there, if you look at the, especially the, the early sections of Acts, prayer was part of their rhythm and it, it consumed a lot of their time for them because they didn't know what God wanted next and they were seeking God. And so they did that on their knees. We see the example of fasting throughout scripture. And the whole purpose of fasting wasn't to try to manipulate God into answering prayer. The purpose of fasting was to have more time to devote to prayer that's undistracted, where you didn't have to spend the two or three hours it would have taken to prepare a meal and all the trappings that went with that. And so fasting was a way to get rid of some of the extraneous things in life and focus on talking with God. Now, when I say effective, fervent prayer is worth the time and effort, understand this. I am not saying that God doesn't hear our short prayers. Peter, while drowning, says, save me. One of the shortest prayers we have in scripture. And Jesus reached out his hand and answered that prayer. The heart is what's important. The heart of devotion to Christ. Do we know what we're praying? God certainly answers, help me prayers. I'm drowning. But he also longs for longer communication, just like we do in relationships. So just two thoughts this morning before we review our core values. Prayer is effective and powerful. Effective, fervent prayer is worth the time and effort. I repeat what I I said at the beginning. No effective work of God through his people has ever been without prayer. One of the authors I was reading, XL, said, prayer without work is mockery. Work without prayer is vanity and must lead to despair, vexation, and grief. Prayer without work is mockery. So to pray God do this and then not be part of it, that's just mocking God. But work without prayer, where we're trying to do these core values, we're trying to do God's work, and we don't bathe them in prayer, is vanity or emptiness. It leads to despair, vexation, and grief. So if we as a church are to do God's work, we better be praying. That needs to be part of our rhythm, part of everything we do, part of before we come onto campus every week, praying that God would use us in some way for his kingdom in the lives of the saints. Before every event that we do, before every outreach that we do, before every ministry that we do, have we taken the time to pray? 
for teachers or someone preaching? Have I spent a legitimate time in prayer for this message? Or am I doing it on my own power because, yeah, I was taught how to put together a sermon? I can craft the perfect sermon and have it be completely ineffective if I haven't prayed. And and, and I've seen that over the years. It's been a lot of years now. And there are times where I might preach a sermon or you might teach a lesson that's like, yeah, nailed it. And it does nothing because I didn't pray and I wasn't relying on God and it was my power. And there are times I come to a text and I'm like, I've done my best. I don't feel good about it, but I've done my best. Holy Spirit, use it. And I spend a, a, a chunk of time in prayer, not just, not just five minutes. And some of those are the ones that God has used the most in, in people's lives. The ones where I was at a loss for how to, how to present. Prayer is essential to God's work. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking through our, our core values and, and a chance to review our core values, but a chance to think through them in a different way of how can prayer embody them. Now, some of you are new this year. You haven't heard our core values, and this is a great opportunity for you to see them. These four things embody what, we're, what we believe God wants his church to be about. And so as we evaluate things that we do as a church, we ask, where does it fit in these four core values? And if it doesn't, we probably shouldn't do it. That could be done by another organization. But these four values are the four steps to making a disciple, we believe. And then you you help someone else through that. And we believe these are the essential things God would have his church do. And so the first is outreach. And, And the blank I have in your notes is for sort of an action word. We're to be a sharing church. A sharing church. God wants his church to be devoted to outreach. And we've talked about this and, and we have um, the Great Commission is one of our verses. And I like 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul says that all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, which I still think wasn't his best plan, but he knows best. God makes his appeal to this world through us. And Paul ends that by saying, so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And you see his passion his intentionality. We are to be a church that knows the good news of the gospel and wants as many other people to know it as we can and shares it. But think about prayer in response to this. Prayer is essential, especially for someone's conversion. That's a spiritual battle. And you and I don't do the converting. We share the gospel, but there is not a soul that you can make come to Christ. Even if you pin him against the wall and say, I'm not letting you go until you accept Christ. That doesn't change a heart. Who changes hearts? The Holy Spirit, right? He convicts and draws people to God. And so if this is a spiritual battle, we better be battling with spiritual weapons, prayer being the primary one. When we think of the early church, when we think of Acts, they regularly prayed for boldness and for outreach. I already mentioned the verse in Acts chapter 4 that they, they, 
prayed that they would speak the word with all boldness. And God answered that prayer. In Acts 13, when they are sending out Paul and Barnabas in outreach to share the gospel with the world, they worshiped the Lord, they fasted. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Whenever you see praying in Acts, and in the, in, in, in the whole word, but in Acts, Luke didn't waste words. And so Luke is intentionally including what the church found was an important part of this. And we, we don't, Luke was a historian, and we don't have they arranged for transportation, they arranged for food. It says they prayed and laid their hands on them, which means they were commissioning them and sent them off. Prayer was essential to outreach in the early church. In village, prayer is essential for our outreach. You've heard me talk many times about praying for our one. Have someone that we, we are praying for to come to Christ. That we are praying for, for opportunities to reach with the gospel. Go beyond just hearing me say that and make sure you're praying for someone. My hope is that as we come together next week or any week, I can say, who's your one you're praying for? Who's your one? And you'll be able to answer that. Because then we start to be more intentional. Then we start to rely on God and look to God for opportunities there. Who's your one? Be praying for them. Use some reminder. Some of you still have the stick figures that we gave out, the little clear stick figures, and you have them paste to, to mirrors or windows. And um, it's a great way to remind yourself to pray for someone. Use some sort of token. Use something that will remind you of them and pray for them every day. And then ask others to pray for them. I, I, one of the things I love about our community group is like half the prayer requests are prayers for certain people to come to Christ. That's awesome. That is where we'll see God work. When his people pray, he works and empowers that work. And so identify your one. The other thing is be praying for us as a church. Be praying for each other that we would be reaching out. Be praying for our efforts. We have a, a, a bunch of different ways we are trying to make a difference for the kingdom and trying to reach out with the gospel. Be praying for Second Harvest. Come too, but be praying for it. Be praying for our Awana program, which starts back up this next week. And there are kids at that Awana program that don't know Jesus as their Savior yet. But they're going to hear the gospel. They have heard the gospel. And those of you working in Awana, you're pouring into their lives. We have seen so many young ones come to Christ through that ministry. Be praying Every time we have an outreach, put it on your prayer list, pray for it daily, and let's see God work. The question out of sharing and the core value of outreach, who do I know that needs Jesus that I can pray for daily and intentionally get to know? The second core value is community. And our action step is we want to be a loving church. 
a loving church. God wants his church to be devoted to building real community, to be building positive, healthy Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, to ministry, and to outreach. Sort of fun because those are the other three core values other than community. And community spurs us to those things, challenges us to those things. To do this, we have to prioritize being together. We can't neglect, as Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, we can't neglect meeting. We need to come together, encourage each other, and prioritize that. But how does prayer empower community in God's church? It's really, the others, I think, are more obvious. But this one is, is, is really important. The first is, and I come back to Acts chapter 1. A lot of these verses are out of Acts because we see the early church practicing these things. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Now, we, we often look at the second half of that, devoting themselves to prayer. Did you catch the first part? With one accord. In unity. And, and what we see here and, and how this relates to community is as we pray with each other, as we come together with the same focus on prayer, God knits our lives together. He brings us together in unity. So one of the side effects of a, a church that prays is unity and community is formed. And one of the ways that that happens is we pray for each other's needs. It is good to pray for each other's needs. In Acts 12, when Peter's in prison, the church does an all-night prayer vigil for Peter's needs, for his life. And they are there all night to pray because they know that that battle is going to be won with prayer. When we lift each other up and when we remember the next week what we were praying for and when we ask about it, this knits us together in community. This is healthy community. We see an example of that at the end of Acts. We've seen two recently where Paul is leaving a place and it's the last time they'll see him. And the whole church comes out, one to a beach with their their wives and their kids, another gathering together, and they kneel and they pray for him. And they send him off with prayer because he's about to face a trial and they have his back through prayer. These are ways that prayer brings us into being a loving community, into caring for each other. And so out of that this year, I I know we talk a lot about how do we welcome people, how do we include people. I would challenge you to keep a prayer list and pray for each other. How can we pray for each other? For our our 24 hours of prayer, some of the the boards that we're going to put up are just going to be how can we pray for each other. What needs are there? Because we lift each other up. We stand together. And so ask, who can I pray for this week? Every week this year. Who can I pray for? Who can I encourage and include? Definitely. But who can I pray for? The third core value is spiritual growth. God wants his church to be a growing body, a growing church family. And so we want to be dedicated to spiritual growth. And this is the heart and soul of what we do. And this happens primarily through the study of God's word, through worshiping together, through prayer, and and the spiritual habits that we have. None of us have ever arrived spiritually. 
not this side of eternity. We are all growing, or we're all to be growing. Sometimes we think we've arrived and we stop growing, but we're never done. God is continually changing us, transforming us into Christ-likeness degree by degree. What's interesting is as Paul visited churches in Acts, one of the things that we we see is that he set up elders, but then he, he maintained a prayer life for that church and their spiritual health. He, he would pray, he would fast for them. He not only prayed for their needs, but he prayed for their spiritual walks, for their spiritual health. And so my, my ask on this is that this year, in your prayer list, include praying for our spiritual health as a church. Pray that God will remove any obstacles to growing and walking with him. Pray for each other. Yes, for the physical needs, but also that they would draw closer to God this year. And what this sometimes looks like is if someone's going through a trial, pray for the trial, pray for God's work in the trial, but also pray that God will refine them and sanctify them through that trial, that God will mature them, that they will, he will give them strength, that he will grow them through that trial. Because that is one of God's primary tools to grow us, unfortunately. And so we're to be a a growing church, and we want to include prayer in that. We want to include prayer as part of our own spiritual growth, that dependence on God, but praying for each other. As you come Sundays, pray for the teachers. Pray for whoever's speaking that morning. Pray for, for teachers that are teaching God's word. We need it. We need to rely on God. Take prayer Sundays seriously. It's a chance for us as a body to do one of the most effective and powerful things we can do and pray together. And I challenge you this Friday and Saturday to set aside some time. I know I've mentioned it several times. It's coming soon. Set aside some time to come and pray even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're not sure quite what it's going to look like, let's come together and pray. The last core value is serving. God wants us to be a serving church, a serving community. God wants his church to be devoted to ministry. And that means using our gifts and our abilities to serve God and to serve others in his church. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to sit in a pew and enjoy service. No, it says, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we are saved, God prepares what he wants us to do for him, and we're to walk in them, make it part of our life is what it means to walk in something. And so we as a church are committed to finding a place of ministry for every believer. And as we minister, every part of the body grows and God works. As we minister, discipleship happens because most of our ministries has a variety of ages ministering together. But when we think of prayer, prayer empowers ministry in the church. 
It is the key to effectiveness. If you are working in nursery, pray that God will, will use you to love those little kids and to show them the love of Jesus and that he'll give you a ton of patience. Now, some of you, babies are your thing and it, it's natural. I need patience. I, even the deacons in Acts, as they were being commissioned, they set them before the apostles, the church chose them, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Again, Luke was, had an economy of words. He, he said what he meant and he said what was important. Part of commissioning the ministry was prayer because this is when we put gas in the gas tank. This is when we charge the car. If we don't pray before ministry, ministry is empty and vain and without power and we're wasting our time. And so my heart is that we are a church full of servants, full of people ministering. But more than that, that we are praying for ministry and praying about our own ministry and doing it with dependence on God, not on self. And so, yes, on this one, I've asked the question before, where can I be part of God's work this year? But I would add the question, what ministry can I pray for each week? So here's just a real tangible way to put this into practice. So I've already asked you to pray for a different person in the church every week, and that's under community. But now can you pray for a different ministry of the church every week? Just put it on your prayer list every day. Make that part of what you pray for. Maybe that's nursery. Maybe that's a teaching ministry. Maybe that's youth ministry who are doing an incredible job with our teens. Maybe it's young adult ministry, women's ministry. Maybe it's the, the, the repair ministry at church. You know, we're praying for a repair of the internet right now. <laughs> pray for a ministry at the church. As you do these things and as we pray about them, not only will we see God's work, but we're going to see God turn our hearts to him and to each other. Those are the questions we want to answer. I want to end by inviting worship team back up. And just singing, be thou my vision. And it's a reminder for us to say, okay, what God wants for his church is to be our vision. To serve God is to be our vision. There's really nothing else that matters but serving God. I so appreciate that we are here at the beginning of the year worshiping. And that's how we've chosen to start our year. Because this shows a centrality of, of a walk with God, a centrality of serving him. And for 2023, may he be our vision and may we see our church grow in power and effectiveness in prayer. Let's sing together. Lord God, we end our time together today in prayer. Knowing that for you to do what you want to do through village, we need to be on our knees and coming to you in prayer that we need to be depending on you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless ministry this year at Village. Lord, I ask that we would see just a whole number of people come to you and come to a saving faith in you and enter into life of the church and be baptized into the church, Lord God. I pray that we would be intentional about making disciples, that we would be discipling each other and those that come. Lord, that we would be teaching others to obey you 
what your word says. Lord, I pray that you would build a, a vibrant community here and continue to build that that spurs each other, that challenge each, each other to do these things for you, to serve you, to be in your word, to be memorizing your word, Lord, to be ministering. Lord, I pray that you would empower our ministries here, that every ministry from sweeping to kids to youth to adults to teaching that every ministry we would see as a spiritual act that needs your help. Lord, I also pray for our congregation for so many of the needs that are going on right now. May those not quench our spirit, but rather may may we rise with unquenchable prayer to give these to you, to see you work, to trust you. Lord, you are God and we are not. And we trust you and seek you in prayer. May this year be a year where we see you work mightily. In your name, amen.